Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and wait, what? Yes, yes, yes. That's right, we've got some open cheering in the studio today because your Shed Adamus went five for eight. Wait, wait a second. Welcome to Outside the Sheds again. I am your host, your Shed Adamus. I'm so excited I couldn't even contain myself right there to start the intro. How are you guys? Hello, Shedheads. Welcome to the show this week. You can see with the energy that's already out of the box we've come, haven't we? Out of the box. It's like the U.S. swim trials without bungee smugglers and onesies. I'm just flying through the water. I'm like a greased, I don't know what I would be, a, a, a dolphin. How about that? A greased dolphin. That is how we're coming out right now. We're coming out with some fire. I'm coming out with fire because I'm back on those winning tracks right now. That's right. For every birthday, holiday, special event, quant, I don't care what it is. If you went with the Shed Adamas, we won this week. Five for eight. If it wasn't for somehow... The Panthers not knowing how to take care of business without the Big Five. Who knows what we're, we're going to start calling them the Sybil Dragons instead of the St. George Illawarra Dragons. The Sybil Dragons. Let's not. Uh, let's just go into the scores to start this off. But hope everyone had a great week. We're going to have a good time right now. We're going to delve into the world of rugby league. Aussie rules football and some things outside the outside the bubble, but let's go into the scores. We started off the Sea Eagles. Desi's back, back again. We went with that pitch because you you can't go with that little the little one I usually do because the Sea Eagles are flying right now and they're flying so much so fifty to eighteen over the Cowboys, fifty to eighteen, and. You really start to ask a question here, you know, with Tommy Dearden now getting the seven jersey and JT giving it to him in the sheds. Was too much weight put on Tom Dearden's shoulders too young of an age? And I think that's why the the NRL makes, well, they try to make it mandatory for, for young men to be a certain age before they're thrust into the limelight of the NRL. And I remember... You know, all the talk that Tom Dearden was the future, the future. And I remember his first game, he had a bunch of family and friends there and everyone was celebrating and acting like, you know, um, you know, they just won the grand final, just celebrating. And Tom had a great first game. I'm saying he had a really, really good first game. But the weight of a big team like the Brisbane Broncos, you wonder if that just becomes too large for a young man. Um, and was he really ready for it? And now what you just hope for is that because that that situation didn't pan out the way a lot of people thought it was going to be, especially probably him. Hopefully that does not stunt his playing future, his playing career. Uh, and, and, you know, I you, you have to admit, he really wasn't a shining spot or a shining point for the Cowboys. I know it was his first match there, and we have to understand that. But I just keep my fingers crossed that he hasn't been um, – held back in, in some ways or, or set back in some ways about his progression. Um, anyway, so 50-18, to 18, Sea Eagles and Desi's boys over the Cowboys, Todd Payton's boys. Then, like I said, the Sharks 19, the Panthers 18. Uh, we're going to go into a little bit more depth about this one. Roosters 35, Titans 34. In a match that some, a lot of people said was maybe possibly the match for this year so far. I'm not going to go that far. But it definitely had some things that occurred that we're not used to seeing. Especially with a Roosters team on the field. And, and especially how the Titans have played recently. Then the Rabbitohs went up and held serve 24-10 to over the Knights. Thank gosh the Knights are going to get some good news back this week. Which again we're going to highlight a little bit later. Raiders 38, Broncos 16. Uh, it looks like that pirate, that that excuse me, pirate ship, that Viking ship has stopped taking on a little bit of water. 
Josh Hodson started to look a little bit more like the Josh Hodson that we were used to seeing this last couple seasons. Uh, and they got back on the winning track down there at Canberra. Uh, Storm 42, Warrior 16. If you're anybody else in the competition but Penrith, this has got to worry you, this scoreline, because it looks like the Melbourne Storm are remembering again that they're the Melbourne Storm. And it doesn't matter what pieces you you interchange in there. Uh, if it's the first the first string guy, the second string guy, no matter who you put in there, it looks like this team just continues to fire. You look at what Nico Hines has done for the Storm in Pappenhausen's um, sabbatical away from the game from his injuries. And Nico Hines are saying, as soon as Pappenhausen is fit and ready to come back, they're saying Nico Hines is probably back on the interchange bench. Think about that. This guy gets five weeks to show who he is, parlays that into getting a huge deal from the Cronulla Sharks, and he's going to go back to the bench is what what the rumblings out of the storm camp is right now. That is that is the depth that Melbourne has. That is the depth that Melbourne has. So that was that was a big 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 score line. Uh, you know I don't. I think also what we saw is how important Reese Walsh is for the Warriors, because even with RTS in there, the, the 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 attack was pretty much gone. And I know Cody Nicarima is a is a pretty good half you know half. No matter if you play him at five eighth or at halfback, but I just sometimes really. Don't see Cody Nicarima being that half that can just single-handedly will your team into a victory. He needs help. He needs help. And it's going to be very interesting to see what they do going forward with the injury um, that they, that you know, the, the injury of Chanel Harris-DeVita this week. So, And we'll talk about that again, too. Then, well, we said it was going to have to be found out one way or the other. Was this Tigers team that was taking advantage of teams that were not uh, Newcastle uh, and, 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 and one other beautiful team that we like to pile upon if we're, if we're the West Tigers. We wondered, were we seeing a real Tigers resurgence after the victory over Penrith? Or was that just kind of that Eh, it happened. Yeah, we didn't have everybody. Uh, well, I think we had it all answered. 40-12, to 12, the Eels, and the return of the Guthrino. I'm really worried about Clint Gutherson. I'm really worried that he's going to snap out of a try, go right to the gut, though, and his right hip is going to fly into the first or second row. Thank gosh the man does his yoga. Thank gosh he does his stretching because we could see a blowout situation that we've never seen before. That man gyrates. Let me put it to you this way. There's people in Chatsworth that do that professionally that don't move like that young man. So we won't go into detail because this is still kind of a family show. But Gutho, if you deserve, if you change your mind about wanting to be the captain of Parameta, Southern California might have another line of work for you in the future. And then to finish out the week, the Bulldogs 28, the Dragons 6. Ugh, I don't even know where to go because that was one of my losses this week, Shedheads. And I and don't any of you tell me unless you live in Canterbury Bankstown that you knew that the Dogs were going to win that. You didn't. Don't try to lie to me. Don't try to tell me otherwise, Shedheads. Uh, and, and, the, and, the, and the Sybil Dragons... Who are we going to see this week, uh, again, underachieve in a game that they really needed to win? They really needed to win. And on paper, they were going to win. So, some big, big score lines, um, a few upsets. And, I, hell, we can say any upset that I didn't pick was an upset, right? But, uh, yeah, a, a good week, a good week. I'm not going to get into this. I'm also not going to get into headshot, not a headshot. I'm going to act like that is an undercurrent that we are not going to grace um, this podcast, this platform, 
our coming together time because I'm just going to get fired up. And we've talked about it in a little bit of detail the last few weeks. I'm not going to go into it anymore right now. We'll just say that there was once again some skeptical calls, once again some not calls, and who knows? Like I said, this is a, a fluid situation uh, that unfortunately no one's controlling the dial of how quick the fluid is running. So let's do a, a little bit of breakdown about some of these matches we had. Um, and I want to start with Sean Johnson. I know Sean Johnson. I, 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 you know, I've met Sean Johnson. Good guy. Really friendly to talk to. Uh, but I feel bad for Sean Johnson because he left New Zealand, his home. And I know that, you know, Sean Johnson is not going to settle down in Australia. That is his working place. He has a lot of friends in Australia. His game is in Australia. But Sean Johnson is not going to live the rest of his life in Australia. He's a Kiwi. He's a New Zealand boy. And he's going to want to go back home when his career's over. The problem is, Sean made a big move to the Sharks to partner in the Habs with his Habs partner from back with the Warriors, uh, Chad Townsend. And it's looked okay at times. I don't think Sean Johnson runs enough anymore. I don't know if this is kind of like we saw the progression of Benji Marshall, who stopped running as much uh, as his career got a little bit you know, longer and longer and longer uh, into it. But Sean Johnson ch- changes everything with his movement and his, and his running, and it opens up his passing game. And he hasn't done that as much. And I know that he's been injured and he's still coming back off that Achilles injury right now. But to say that maybe we did not gotten the Sean Johnson we were hoping to see in the blue and black, the black and blue, no matter what you, however you want to say it, is probably an understatement. But um, he's now off out of contract. He's not being renewed um, past this season with the Sharks. So him, Woodsy, Dugan... They're all playing for their future. Excuse me. They're all playing to see where their next stop, their next port of destination is. But it was so great to see him be able to step up in a key time, in a key situation, a key place for the Sharkies by kicking the field goal to stop the bleeding. Because they were looking like they were coasting to a victory over the, over the, over the Penny Panthers. And, and Penn would score 18 in a row in the second half. And if it wasn't for that jo- Sean Johnson field goal late, uh, they probably are not the better team in the second half. But because Sean Johnson pulls them out of the boiling water, the Sharkies win that one. Uh, and that's, that's, that's big because the Sharks are on a little bit of a streak now. It is, stra- it is still very, very strange not to see Chad Townsend in the halves. Um, and I know right now, uh, Fitzgibbon is calling shots from a different location, or I mean, uh, watching from a different location. But I think what he's doing is he's trying to get a feel of who's going to be there. And it looks like right now he's chosen Matt Moylan over Sean Johnson. I wouldn't have done that. But again, he has seen something that he, he wants to go with. But congratulations to Sean Johnson. And hopefully uh, these next few weeks will help him shore up a deal at his new home and new team. Now, I'm not. You don't get it twice. You're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to have a special uh, subscription box that you can click to hear my greatest hits. Because I cannot go and bust into another Desi's back or Turbo's back song. I can't. I just can't. My agent won't let me do that. I can only do one per episode. I apologize to, to you all, shedheads. You know, there's a lot of love there, but you know, the crooning pipes just can't be just cracked open like a, like a can of two extra dry. Not not available, not happening. But what I can say is the Sea Eagles did win. And what I can say is the only man in the competition with a French flag mouthpiece, Ruben Garrick, showed out. He showed out. And he continued to keep that bar moving, even with Turbo out of the lineup. Manly got to prove. Let's do this together. Manly proved they can win without Turbo in the lineup. And that's big. That's big. Because I think for a while there, you know, they got on that big run when Turbo came back. And I think a lot of people started thinking that Manly could only win with Turbo. And a lot of people forget, Desi Hazard's been there for a very long time. He's been a great, a good coach for a very, very long time. 
the flowing locks of, of Desi are, are coming back. Uh, Mick Ennis wants to call it the Billy Ray Cyrus. I don't really think he looks like Aki Breaky Heart. I think he does look a little bit more Mel Gibson, Lethal Weapon era's episode one. Not, not, not Lethal Weapon 2. But that's me. But no matter who he allegedly looks like, Garrick and DECE came to the forefront to help Manly really make a statement over the cows. And, and I'm happy to see that Ruben Garrick played very, very well. He was in everything. And DCE was moving. Heck, Kieran Foran even got a try. So Manly looks very, very strong again. And, and, and a team that looks so out of sorts to start the season, a team that looked like, you know, when Desi signed that contract that was, that was laden in him making the, the finals and, and a lot of it incentive-based, a lot of people were like, what, mate, what's he doing? What, what's, that? What's, what's going on with Desi? Well, I think we might know what's going on with Desi because Desi knew his team. And so Manly is starting to pick, the, the, that eagle is starting to soar. Let's just say it that way. And I think they're only going to get better. Now, the only thing you worry about is, you know, with, you know, we still have two more origin games left, and that is really going to mess with the Manly lineup. You know, we're going to lose DCE. You're going to lose Turbo. Um, you know, you're going to lose some players. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. But right now, Manly is soaring. Now, I have to say, you know, I was a, I, I played the position of quarterback. I was a miler. Uh, I, I, I've, I've never been considered the biggest guy. By no means is your shed at Adamas a small guy. And I probably am carrying around an extra few LBs because of the old cove. But that being said, if I need to lay somebody out with a hit, I can still do it. Now, would I want to? Probably not. But would I be a, a, against it if need be? No, I wouldn't be that either. Meaning, I love to see the little guy inflict some violence occasionally. And that is why at this current juncture, on the New Zealand Warriors, one of my favorite players easily is Chanel Harris-Tavita. There is not a halfback in the competition that hits like this kid. There's nobody that hits like him, probably weight-wise. And he laid out the hectic cheese up in Gosford. He knocked him into next week. And if you have not seen the hit, this kid was inspired. And the reason I thought that he was going to play some inspirational football or footy was the Warriors wore some incredible black uniforms this week. Um, you know, once again, giving a, an ode to their the Maori heritage and, and, and New Zealand. And the boys were greeted with a stirring rendition of the haka uh, from, from a, a large group of people in the crowd. The, the boys were locked arm in arm. Uh, and Chanel Harris-DeVita, you could really see it, it really sinking home to him. Uh, well, besides, besides uh, old Kenny Mamalo... The hit that he laid on the hectic cheese and the way that kid lets his body fly around, I he might have been the only guy that really got that that war cry into his heart to take it out on the field. Because that was a shot. The cheese didn't know what to do. He jumped up and didn't know if to push him or to what. Uh, and Chanel kind of looked at him like, what? what? What do you want? After he just knocked him into next week. And the one downside about the kid playing like like a lightning bolt, is that Chanel Harris Tavita tore his peck in the same game. And we've, you know, the Warriors have now lost a young man that they are really banking a lot of their future on to a peck injury. And unfortunately, we've already seen these, this, this peck problem in the league this season uh, with Mitchell Pierce. And it, it again continues. You know, we've seen some really good players go out with that peck injury. And it, and it usually happens from when a player is beat, they reach out to try to reach back and to grab somebody. And that strain on the peck muscle um, is is where we get that problem. Um, maybe it's going to go down with the HIAs and the, the, you know, the swinging arms and all that type of stuff, meaning you're out of position to lay down a really good tackle. And maybe... 
guys stop doing that as much? I don't know. But I think we do know that it's the reach out that is what the usually the cause for the pec injury is. But really sad to see. Uh, he's going to be lost for a while. And I think that's a loss for all of us because a player that, that tackles the right way too, um, we've lost. But that being said, the storm really just, you know, that victory did something a lot of people didn't think was possible. Because the only thing we've been talking about the last 13 rounds is Penrith's dominance. And after this victory this week and by the score, the Penrith Panthers aren't in first anymore. Bellyaches boys are. The Melbourne Storm are in, on the top spot. Now, would they be on the top spot if, if you know, the, the, the Penrith Five didn't go off to, to, to inspire the Blues? Probably not. But that's the, that's the cool thing about Origin and, and all of this is that teams have to be able to adjust. And there's not a team that adjusts better than the Melbourne Storm of any team in the competition. Any team in the competition. So, you know, going forward, you really have to say that the Storm and the Panthers look like they're on a collision course for possibly another grand final meeting. Now let's go back and let's talk about the Chooks because Hollywood Sam Walker enabled the Chooks from, how should I say, cracking their egg in a big loss because in a game that became two different games, a game that looked like it was going to be an utter blowout, a game that looked like one team had already started to think about what they were going to drink and eat that evening, turned into just a blistering contest of what the heck is happening here. It really felt, if you were on the field and you were a Roosters player, you had to feel like you were in the eye of a hurricane. Because the Titans were down at one point 30 to 4. 30 to 4. And you just don't see a team who's down by that much remember. I don't know, a, 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 a rallying cry, a code, a call, two arms, whatever you want to say. But I almost didn't believe what I saw. Because up to this point, the Titans the last few weeks have not looked like they were up for the fight. They're still figuring out their halves combination. They're, you know, A.J. Brimson has been injured. A.J. Brimson then is all of a sudden in origin camp. Uh, David Fafita is sometimes running very, very hard. Sometimes he's still a great, you know, a really, really good player, but not being that imposing force that sometimes we were expecting him to be. Um, they just have missed. And it's really strange because, you know, you can go back and listen to old episodes. I really had the Titans taking a major league jump this year and really pushing in the eight. And that is not the team that I've seen uh, the last few weeks. And... You start to worry. Um, we've seen a lot of those boys from England get a little bit homesick. You start wondering if Justin Holbrook is like, boy, I'm, I really wish I could get a, a good order of fish and chips back in the home country. But I, I don't know. I don't know. But I know what I didn't expect is I did not expect them to score 30 straight points and it take a lead in the second half, 34 to 30. But that's what we got. But again, that's what makes rugby league such a brilliant game. Because right when you think certain things are no way on God's green earth is this going to happen, it happens. We can look at that in two cases. 30 points in a row by the by the Titans in this game against the Roosters. And then, you know, the Bulldogs and Dragons game where the Dragons looked like the Dragons looked like what the Bulldogs were supposed to look like in a lot of people's eyes. And, and you just don't know. You know, there's, if you look at the games that I lost, I lost the Dragons game. I lost the Warrior Storm game. I don't, don't, let's not talk about that one. And then I lost the Sharks game. And trust me, the, the, the Sharks uh, really tried to give me that game back because um, they, yeah, anyway, we won't have to go into that. But 
Again, I think that is the heart of a champion. And that is why the Roosters have been the Roosters for as long as they have been and always pushing, always contending for a championship because they still find a way to win. Because a lot of teams, when they got overtaken like that and the Titans went up 34-30, to a lot of teams would have rolled over after that point. A lot of teams would have. But that's the last thing the Roosters are ever going to do. The Roosters marched right back down the field and scored a try. And then for whatever reason, well, we know why, because of substitution, Adam Kieran was off the field, who had been striking the ball well, kicking well, kicking field goals, and that let Sam Walker uh, have to kick to try to make it a six-point try. Or to, how should I say, make it 36-34. He missed. At least now we know that the Roosters have their kicker from now on, and it is Adam Kieran. But Sam Walker does something that a lot of 18-year-olds would have no idea or, or, or any type of heart to do. He let that go after injuring his shoulder, looking like it's his other shoulder, not the one that he has all bandaged up, but his other shoulder. And when he gets his chance, he slots that field goal to win it for the Chooks. And again, keeps them on, keeps them on, on course or on path and sets up a huge, huge, huge Friday night tussle between the Roosters and those boys at the foot of the Blue Mountains, the Penny Panthers, which I'm so excited for. I, I can't really, I can't really break down how excited I am for the Friday night football competitions this week, and I can't wait to go over these picks with you soon. So have your pen and paper ready soon. So. That was my breakdown for the week's uh, games that we just had that we got to watch. Hope you guys got to take some of those in, uh, no matter if it was off the app or if you got to watch some of the games live. Um, maybe not live, but we got to tape some of the games because I would hate your sleep cycle to be as bad and as off as mine. So let's go into the 40-20. Let's go over some of these stories. And a story that really caught me, and I really had to sit back down for a second to kind of take this all in, was when news broke that uh, Roosters... Blues captain Boyd Cordner has had to call it a career. He's had to retire um, because of head trauma, head injury, concussions, whatever you want to say. And unfortunately, one of the lasting images we're going to have is is Boyd Cordner in Origin last year taking that knock. And and I don't want to say right then I knew that we were never going to see Boyd Cordner on the field again. But part of me in my body, in my mind, in my head kind of said probably the best thing for Boyd Corner is for Boyd Corner not to ever be back on the field again. And no matter how much we want to see the hard-hitting parts of the game, and you know me, I, I love a free-flowing game. I, I don't like to see these refs with a whistle in their mouths every two seconds or the bunker stopping play, all that stuff. None of us want to see these guys 20 years from now not knowing their names having problems remembering, um, you know, anything for their children, events, all of that stuff. I think I told you I was in a bad car accident. I had a really bad head trauma and concussion and all that type of stuff, swelling in the brain, all of that. And in my memory was even affected for my short term for that time period. So it's scary. And it's nothing for us to take light over or, or, or for us to say, you know, I, I've always said I do not like high hits. Exactly. I don't like swinging arms, but there's things that are going to happen if you have guys that don't have helmets on when you want them to tackle each other. It's just going to happen. It's just going to happen. But there's going to be cases that guys are going to, unfortunately, have different reactions to high hits and for the brain to be rattled. Because that's what's going on. The brain is being rattled. And it's what they say is that guys have to sit a lot, you have to sit a lot longer to make sure the brain gets back to as close to normal as possible. And I don't think a lot of people got that. And think about this. We've lost Jake Friend now and Boyd Cordner to head trauma-related injury for their careers that ended their careers early. 
But if you are a guy that cares about the athletes, the athletes that we watch on these games, I think all of us know that was the best decision for Jake Friend and Boyd Corner to make. And you also know, because of Trent Robinson, Robbo is never going to put his players back out there if he thinks they're injured. Or if he thinks that there's a chance to, to, to cause more injury or further injury. Because Robbo would rather live with himself later on knowing that he did what was best for his players than let's just try to put him back out there to get this one victory and then we'll, t- we'll talk about it the next day. And there's a lot of coaches that do not have the stones to do that. A lot of coaches who don't have the stones to do that. And that's just not in rugby league or Aussie rules football or, you know, a lot of coaches in all sport do not have the, t- the testicular fortitude to put a game that they should win or they have to win over the health of their player. Let's just be honest. It's true. So you know when 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 Friend and Boyd Corner retire that they that they played for a club that was pushing for their best interest. But unfortunately and sadly their best interest was to retire. Uh, and it was tough. It was tough watching that press conference. It was tough watching the emotion that Boyd Cordner had. But it was needed. And I'm happy he came to the determining factor and to the resolution um, that this was what was best for him and his family going forward. But all of this being said, it's a loss for all of us that we don't get to see um, a, an incredibly gifted and great captain um, all up and down the board uh, from running out one last time. But uh, hats off to Boyd Corner. He's going to be sorely missed and an incredible player uh, that I was uh, gifted and blessed to be able to watch for the amount of years that I got to watch him. Now, going on to the f- to the front of players that have not been wanted recently, we went over the whole Sean Johnson and uh, Aaron Woods, Josh Dugan uh, with the Sharks last week. And now Corey Norman has been given, quote-unquote, his walking papers. Because the Dragons have informed Corey that he will not be offered a new contract for next season. So we have another halfback that is a free agent, uh, a gun for hire. And you start wondering how many places are left for these guys. How many places, how many clubs are going to look for a Corey Norman or a Sean Johnson? I myself would do this. I would bring Sean Johnson to the Tigers put him in the halves with Jackson Hastings and be done with it. Wouldn't think twice, wouldn't look in my rearview mirror, uh, and I would accelerate the vehicle at a high rate of speed with those two guys in there. But, eh, I don't know if the Tigers will do that. I, I think, like I said, I think Luke Brooks has some pictures uh, in his phone of somebody in the Tigers organization that's going to prevent a lot of that stuff from ever happening. Um, but, now we have Corey Norman who is looking for a new home and destination as well. Now, enough negative. Let's start talking positive. Mitchell Pierce and Kalen Ponga have both been named in the side to return this week for the Newcastle Knights on their Saturday clash against the Warriors. And this is huge. We haven't seen Mitchell Pierce for three months since his pec tear. And Kalen Ponga we have not seen for... Hmm, Don't help me do my math. It's been a while. Let's just say it's been a while for Kalen. And both of them have now going to, how should I say, start a new spine because Jake Clifford is going to partner with Mitchell Pierce in the halves. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I think if you're a Newcastle Knights fan, you've got to be beyond excited that you're getting ready to see Pierce run back on the field and Kalen Ponga back retrieving things and being the custodian that a lot of people uh, think is one of the best in the game. But... Sad, that that has made this Warriors tussle this week something that's got to be close to must-watch TV just to see how these guys play, how they respond, and how they react. And if they can if they can turn the fortunes for Newcastle, a team that's beyond struggled since Mitchell Pierce uh, fell out of the side, and Kalen Ponga as well. Again, let's stay on this. I like this. Let's stay on that good news. Let's stay on this good news track. Braden Trindle. Sharks Young Gun has re-signed for the next two years with the Cronulla Sharks. So again, this is going to, 
how should I say, start the talk, the conversation about what the future and the halves pairings are going to be with and be like for the Cronulla Sharks. And that's without any type of free agents coming in besides Nico Hines. And I don't think we're going to see Nico Hines in the halves, but we still have to figure out about what to do with Bubba. You know, Kennedy, you know, Kennedy is still there. And so there's a lot of moving parts that if you're a Sharks fan, you've got to be somewhat excited. But a lot of it is very confusing. You really don't know what to do with it or how it's going to play out, how it's going to look, all of that. So the only thing we can say for sure, it's really good to see that, that Braden Trindle is going to stay with the Sharks for another two seasons. Now, I am ready. Are you ready? You had your pen. Hold on. You got your pen and paper ready? Because we're going over the picks. And we're going to go over round 15. Starting tonight, tomorrow morning, however you want to say it, Rabbitohs at the Bru- the at the Broncos at Suncorp. I was going to say the Brewster, or, or, the, or, or I was going to say Broop. I don't know what I was going to say, but Broncos was not what I was going to say. Um, but I am taking the Rabbitohs. It's, you know, even though congratulations to Benji Marshall and his and his lovely wife having their second child, um, Benji will not be in attendance tonight. He will be watching it and probably uh, on hour 28 of non-sleep. But that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. The Bunnies are going to hop, skip, and jump all over the Broncos even if it is up in Suncorp. Friday night, the game, the day I told you I was so excited about. Starting it off, Sharks at the Cowboys. So we have Chad Townsend going up to where his future home is going to be. Eh, not the case, since Chad Townsend is not in the starting side. But Sharks and Cowboys, I am still going to go with the Sharks. I think Sean Johnson, Aaron Woods... These guys are a lot of them are playing for their futures and their lives. Um, so I, I just think that the Sharks are are moving in the right direction right now. And so I'm going to take the Sharks. And then we have the big clash at the foot of the Blue Mountains. Roosters and the Panthers. The Penrith Five are back. And because of that, I'm going to go with the Penrith Panthers in this one. Uh, I know I picked them the last two weeks, and they've cost me victories. We won't go into that as I grit my teeth. But uh, but I am going to go with the Panthers. Saturday, we've got four games, or three at night, one the next night before midnight. Warriors at the Knights. I'm going to go with that emotion of Pierce and Ponga uh, being back on the side. I'm taking the Knights. Raiders at the Dragons. I really think that um, I really think that we're about ready to see a resurgence. I think Josh Hodgson is going to really start to fire out of that dummy half role. So I'm going to take the Raiders over the Dragons. Tigers at the Storm. Well, I think the Tigers showed us their cards against the Eels. And I don't think that's going to change. I take the Storm. Bulldogs at the Eels. I've got to go with the Eels. Like I said, I'm, I'm always worried about uh, Gutho's hips. But hopefully, uh, you know, he can put the Gutherino away for this week so he can heal up. But I am going to take the Eels over the Dogs. And then Sunday, to end the round, Sea Eagles at the Titans. I am going with, I told you, I can't sing it twice. I apologize. But I'm, like I said, I'm going to give you that subscribe button where you can actually pay $39.95 a month to hear my greatest hits. And that means that you're going to hear me say, sing the Desi's Back song on a constant loop where I kind of change it up to make it very exciting by putting a different Manly Seagulls player into the name and title of the song. Okay, maybe not. But anyway, I am going to say the Sea Eagles will win this game. And I've got the Sea Eagles beating the Titans. Now, as we transition away from the beautiful world of rugby league and we go into the the, the bruising world of Aussie rules football in the AFL, 
The Collingwood boys did something where if they would have done this sooner, might not have cost them their coach. But they sent coach Nathan Buckley out a winner in his last game for his beloved Pies. And they beat the league-leading D's 80-63. Now, I did not see that coming, but I did at the same time. And what I mean by that is, how many times have we watched sports through the course in the history of sports of a team getting themselves up for a reason of their coach leaving or a player retiring? Um, And that's what we got here. Because tell me that the Pies have shown us any of that this season, and I'm going to laugh at you. But they did it. They they beat the they beat them. They beat the D's. They're one of their biggest rivals. I'm saying you can hit the two different quote unquote offices with a with a baseball. They're that close. Uh, But they won. They they beat the D's, and it was very good to see. Nathan Buckley go out a winner. Uh, it seemed to me a lot for his players and his team. Uh, and it meant a lot for him because he knew what his players had to do to bring home that victory for him. Now, does that answer a lot of questions of what Collingwood's future is and what they're planning on doing and what their what their uh, their blueprint is of trying to, to put a little bit of passion and pride back in the prison bars? Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Pies fan, maybe you'll know. But what I will say is it was it was really a heartwarming um, sight of seeing Nathan Buckley get that victory. Now, in the match that I had as the match of the round since the Port Adelaide-Geelong uh, match happened before uh, we recorded the episode, I said that that tussle between the West Coast Eagles and the Richmond Tigers was going to be something special to watch um, out West. And it was. And the Eagles held on and beat Richmond 85 to 81. Now that victory separates the West Coast Eagles by four points over the Richmond Tigers. And that's why that was such an important game. Um, Richmond now still in the eighth position, and West Coast now solidifying that seventh position um, by a few points now. Uh, I think anybody who knows the game of, of, of Aussie rules, I think we all know Richmond is, is still coming. Uh, and they will get healthy late, and they're going to make a big run. They, they just are. Um, but for this time period, and for right now, uh, the West Coast Eagles got a big victory, big victory uh, over the Tigers. Now, my match of the round is a very, very easy one to choose. Very, very easy one to choose. And it's one that, I, if you're not excited about this, and you're an Aussie Rules fan, an AFL fan, um, Maybe I can show you the sport of curling. Maybe that'll make you excited. But the Western Bulldogs are playing the Geelong Cats, a two versus three matchup. And this match is going to have lasting implications on the ladder, on the side, seedings, all of it. And to me, it is such a close match to call. You think you know you think the dogs are probably playing the better football? But then you have the Geelong Cats who are going to be playing at home. And we know how well Geelong plays at home. It looks like they're going to let uh, members in that live in the surrounding area to watch the match live. So there should be some type of uh, fan, I don't want to say interaction, but fan support in the crowd. But that's going to be a match that's it's going to be exciting. I'm very, very excited for it. Uh, and I'm really eager to see which team really comes out of that and steps their game up to take them to the next level. So my match of the round, Western Bulldogs versus Geelong Cats. Uh, and that is a Friday early, early, early morning match. Now let's go to the guns. I know you're all excited. The guns. And I'm starting off my number one gun. He's never been a gun yet on Outside the Sheds, but welcome to the potty, pal. My number one gun, Alex Johnston for South Sydney Rabbitohs. Three tries, 168 running meters, four line breaks, seven tackle breaks, and two tackles. And I think that match just showed you the, just the diversity of play 
that Alex Johnson has at his disposal and the player that he is. He's special. He is special. And that's all you can really say, that he's just a special. He's a special, as they would say, he's a special cat. He's a special cat. But I can't say that because he's a bunny, right? He's just a special player. He's a special long year. Um, but Alex Johnson, what a match he had um, to inspire uh, his, his bunnies to take down Kebby's boys. Then my number two, and I know, let's stop for a second. This might be my first Bulldog's gun in the history of the show. Uh, go back, go back and listen. I want you to go back and listen to the shows anyway, but go back and listen. Let me say that again. Go back and listen to some of the previous shows because I don't think we've had a Bulldog before. But we have one now. Jake Avarillo. Two tries. Three for four for conversions. Three penalty goals. 122 running meters. Two line breaks. Four tackle breaks. Ten tackles made. 566 kicking meters. Wow. I guess I guess that's all you can say. The only thing you can say about that is wow because that type of performance, one player doing that inspired his team to get a victory that your Shedadamas didn't see coming. That's what happened right there is that Jake Avarillo prevented me from going six for eight. And I still, that is how big of a person I am right now. I'm still picking him as my one of my guns, even though he scuttled my ship. But congratulations for being my first Bulldog gun, Jake Avarillo. And then number three, we're, gonna st- we're just going to keep staying on that manly train right now. Ruben Garrick. One try, seven for nine conversions, 324 running meters, one line break, seven tackle breaks, four tackles, 29 kicking meters. All on the place of Turbo Tom Dravojevich. Ruben Garrick, a guy that I think I just got word that he is uh, getting ready to sign an extension with Manly, and that is a no-brainer for me. Um, he has really filled in at some some key, key times. You know, him and Brian Elliott uh, last year were so important for for Manly um, to, to continue to, to try to stay relevant and, and to continue to play good footy uh, with players that kept going down. So, Ruben Garrick, welcome to the gun show and being picked as the number three gun. Now, outside the bubble... There's so many different places for us to go. Oh, there's so many places for us to go. Let me say this. Oh, there's so many places for us to go. But huge news in the sports world is coming down right now. I had to read it three times before I went on the air with you guys. But Kawhi Leonard of the Los Angeles Clippers, who, because of his play with PG, Paul George, have got them the t- the Clippers back into the series, tied with Utah, two games apiece. Is out for the for the pivotal game five, and may be out of the playoffs because they're thinking it may be an ACL injury. And that changes everything. A team that you know the whole thing they were angling for the Clip Show was to not have to play the Lakers and to go through back channels to get to the Western Conference Final and then get into the finals. And Kawhi was interviewed after the game, and he said, oh, yeah, no, that's nothing. I'm, I'll, I'll be fine. Which is a lot of words for Kawhi, I know. Kawhi's not much of a talker, or not to the media, he's not. But, you know, I just kind of played it off. I go, okay, whatever. Well, that's not the case. And we know for sure he's not playing tonight, and he could be done for the entire 21 playoffs. So, big news to follow, big news to, to watch, because this, this could be the story that changes... All of the favorites and could change the money in Vegas too. Uh, not that I gamble, but um, yeah, it could change a lot. So, uh, and then the news continues because once that big domino fell, now they're all falling in the NBA because two coaches have just been sacked in the NBA as well today. Stan Van Gundy was fired by the New Orleans Pelicans. And the crazy part about it is 
A lot of people didn't think they should have fired the coach before Van Gundy. And then you bring in Van Gundy and he does he makes it a season. And they and the whole thing was they brought Van Gundy in to how should I say bring forward that young talent. Zion and those that band of youth that they have there in New Orleans, Van Gundy was supposed to be the the uh the uh young gun whisperer to get them going in the direction they needed. Didn't work. Didn't work. So Van Gundy is already out. Uh, one of the big names that, that is is circling that they may be in discussion and talks with is Jason Kidd, who's actually sitting on the bench with the Los Angeles Lakers right now. But uh, that's going to be very, very interesting to see what direction the Pelicans uh, go with or, or go towards or go uh, forward with uh, for their coach. And then right after that happened, the Washington Wizards have fired their coach, Scott Brooks. And a lot of people thought that Scott Brooks was one of the major reasons um, for some of the moves that happened uh, for players to actually come to Washington. We won't say players' names in the standpoint because eh, just in case they weren't, we would hate for them to come after us here on Outside the Sheds. But but Scott Brooks was kind of key in getting some certain guys, <clears throat> certain guys to make their move to Washington. And I guess it didn't work because Scott Brooks is now looking for work and the Washington Wizards are looking for a new head coach. Now, I was kind of wondering what my last story for Outside the Bubble was going to be. And it could have gone a couple different ways. Uh, You know that I'm a big Stanley Cup guy and and the Vegas Golden Knights are taking care of business. Uh, The Tampa Bay Lightning are showing that they, they... I don't want to say they held serve because they lost game one against the Islanders, but they came back and won game two. Uh, the, the, the Vegas Golden Knights now playing about an hour from, the, from me recording this, which is going to be a big game, which I will be in front of the TV watching. Um, but that's not where I want to go. And even though I already gave you a breakdown, kind of, where I want to go to is something that's very, very important and near and dear to my heart, something that's one of the most important things in my life besides the beautiful woman that I share my life with, and my lovely son with a tail. Uh, I want to talk to you about the College World Series. And the College Baseball World Series starts this weekend in Omaha, Nebraska. And if you haven't been to Omaha, gosh, you're missing a lot. I can't even describe to you how much you're missing. You're probably missing about 10 to 15 pounds of weight you're going to put on you by not going to the College World Series because it's a lot of tailgating, it's a lot of eating at strange hours because you're at the ballpark all day. Um, even though I'm a, the biggest fan and I still love Rosenblatt Stadium with all my heart, uh, they have made a whole new menu of food, the College World Series, that are going to put on and clog arteries. So that is just the behind-the-scenes stuff. The baseball is why you need to go. The atmosphere is why you need to go. It is a spectacle it is magic, and it happens and starts this weekend. The cool thing is you can watch every single one of these games on ESPN. Starting on Saturday, where we have Stanford at North Carolina State, the same North Carolina State that knocked out the number one seed of the tournament, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Sorry, Gary. And how should I say, open the doors to almost every team in this tournament. Because now everyone feels they have a chance to win it. And there were a couple teams that already thought they had a chance to win it without before the Razorbacks got put on the spit. But now every team thinks because they're not going to have to possibly face the Arkansas Razorbacks, a team that was almost unstoppable this year, a team that didn't lose one SEC uh, matchup, weekend matchup all season. So you got Stanford, a team that went and schlacked Texas Tech in their backyard. In two straight games, totally embarrassed Red Raider Nation. And North Carolina State, who went in to Fayetteville, stared down those rebel flags, those the all listen to all those hog calls. And I won't do it. I won't do that on, on there. No, I will not. Uh, and beat Arkansas going head to head in the first game. Game two, the Vanderbilt Commodores. You're defending 2019 champions since there was no 2020 College World Series versus the Arizona Wildcats. 
a pretty magical cat team this year. A cat team that can hit the cover off the ball. Ask Ole Miss. But you have to say, to me, Vandy's the favorite. They've got they've got lighter and big rock. Rocker. The one-two combination, I would say, pitching-wise of all of college baseball, two guys are going to be making, uh, how should I say this nicely, will be in a different tax bracket in a matter of weeks uh, after the Major League Baseball draft. So Vandy's my pick for the College World Series, but they have a tough, 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 tough matchup against the Arizona Wildcats to to finish day one of the series. Day two, Sunday, the next day, starts with Tennessee at Virginia, a Tennessee team that loves the long ball, a Tennessee team that's got quite a bit of moxie, a Tennessee team that's got a coach that looks like Don Johnson with his manicured, is that a beard or did he not shave? Is that a beard? Then I don't think he shaved. Anyway, but they have a coach. Well, you know, I guess if 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 you want your mom to make you want to go to a school, you go to that school because your mom probably is like, oh yeah, I think you should go play for that coach. Let me just put it to you that way. So that Tennessee team, even though they have a good looking coaching staff, is a hell of a good baseball team. And so I think that's going to be a tough, tough matchup for Virginia. Uh, I still have no idea how the Who's got up there in the first place. But they're there, and their coach is from that surrounding area, a great little town named Bellevue, Nebraska. Oh, wait a second. I'm sorry about that. He's not from Bellevue. He played at Creighton. There was another guy on that team that he played for in college in Omaha that was from Bellevue. There we go. Now everyone's on the right page. Uh, And then the game, to me, of the first days, first round of the NCAA baseball tournament, the College World Series. The Texas Longhorns take the field against the Mississippi State Bulldogs, or as they try to call themselves, the Oma Dogs. This game is going to be, to me, can't miss television. You've got a Texas team that has payback in their eyes, in their hearts, because Mississippi State beat them to to start the season. They've had a sign up trying to remember that time. They lost three straight in a a tournament in in Arlington, Texas. And you've got a Mississippi State team that feels like it's their year because you've got some guys that have been together for a while. This could be most of their last rides together. And so they want to go out with a bang. This game is going to be special. This game is going to be magical. And uh, I can't wait to watch it. So, again, all of these games for the College World Series will be seen on ESPN this weekend. And what this pretty much says is that your Shed Adamas will not be sleeping too terribly much. Because uh, college baseball tournaments or the College World Series and Aussie Rules football and the NRL do not add up to tons of shut-eye. But one thing about your Shedadamas, he's very smart. He's going to eat a lot of high protein. He's going to get himself carved up properly. He's going to have the right type of peanuts in place. He's going to be ready for this weekend. He may be on. He might have to have a slow drip, maybe an IV every now and then to keep, make sure he continues to fire through. But I think I've got the supporting staff around me that I should be able to get through this. And I want you to just keep me in your prayers. But with that being said, Shedheads, that brings this week's episode of Outside the Sheds to a close. I am your host, your Shed Adamus, your beaming light in the world of Aussie rules and NRL football, rugby league at its finest. Uh, I will see you next week, Shedheads. Please. Check out the College World Series this weekend. Uh, Check out those great Vegas Golden Knights. Check out some NRL, AFL clashes that we've got. It's going to be a great week. I'm going to enjoy it. I'll think about you a little bit. I think about you guys all the time. But until next week, stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. This has been Outside the Sheds. I will see you! And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. 
So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.